Hello and welcome to this episode of Macro Sutra. I'm TCA Sharad Raghavan, Deputy Editor at The Print. And this time we're going to discuss what the IMF has said in its recent report and why the RBI is upset with it. To discuss this and also all of the constructive things that the IMF has talked about, we have with us Radhika Pandey, Associate Professor at NIPFP. Thanks Radhika for joining us. Thank you, so now Radhika, I know that what the IMF has talked about is quite a technical subject, yeah. but in layman's terms, could you tell us what it has said about India's exchange rate and why this has upset the RBI so much, what the RBI is saying? So the IMF has reclassified India's exchange rate regime from a floating to more stabilized arrangement. Mm -hmm. So in layman terms, it means that earlier IMF classified India's exchange rate uh, regime as floating. Right. That is where exchange rate is determined on the basis of market forces and uh, the RBI only uh, okay, seldom intervenes uh, only to you know prevent undue fluctuations in exchange rate. Right. But now it has uh, reclassified uh, the uh, India's uh, exchange rate regime to something called a stabilized arrangement which means that uh, there is massive intervention happening. That is, RBI is intervening in the exchange uh, market to uh, control the fluctuations. It is, uh, RBI is preventing uh, rupee from uh, falling too much which mm. is depreciating or rising too much which is appreciating right. and therefore the exchange rate is more or less stable. So they look at the uh, last seven to eight months and what they have seen is that uh, the rupee dollar exchange rate is more or less stable and therefore uh, that observation uh, they have noted is on account of RBI's intervention, RBI's over-regulation. Some amount of intervention they, uh, uh, they think that it it is uh, understandable to prevent disorderly uh, fluctuations, right. but if there are excessive interventions to keep the rupee dollar rate stable, then that, that prompts them to reclassify exchange rate regime from a floating uh, to a more to a move towards a more fixed one, which is this variant, which is a stabilized arrangement. Right. So. I mean, just to make it absolutely clear, the IMF stance on this is that market determined is better and yeah. uh, an exchange rate set by the government is worse. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yes. Right. So, so they think that, you know, when there's a flexible exchange rate, it is the most uh, uh, proper response to a, uh, a shock. You know, when right. you allow exchange rate to depreciate, then, you know, uh, your exports will become cheaper. You will be able to export more. So let the rupee or let any exchange rate be market determined. And that is the first line of defense in the event of a shock. So according to them, flexible exchange rate with uh, intervention only to address very uh, violent fluctuations in exchange rate is mm -hmm. the ideal policy response. Right. And in this report, uh, they've also incorporated the RBI's response. So right. could you tell us a little, bo li little bit more about that? Yeah. So uh, let's talk about this article for review. So mm -hmm. it is a review of uh, India's economic financial policies, uh, structural reform, its fiscal policy framework, monetary policy framework, 
everything. It's a very comprehensive review of uh, India's economy and right. it is done by uh, the staff at IMF. Uh, they visit India, they meet policymakers, they meet officials at the uh, Ministry of Finance, they meet the RBI officials and then they uh, come up with this report, which is then placed for consideration uh, of the uh, IMF's executive board. So right. now at the IMF executive board, uh, in addition to the board of directors, there's also an executive director for India. And currently, the executive director for India is our previous uh, uh, chief economic uh, advisor. Chief economic advisor. Uh, so uh, we also get to hear his views on whether the IMF staff assessment about India's uh, uh, economy, whether it is uh, proper or not, or what are his views. Mm. So it uh, does not incorporate RBI's views as much, but it has a section. It has an annex, which is the uh, views of the executive director for India on almost all the, the concerns that have been raised by the IMF in this report, right. uh, the reclassification, their concerns about debt, their concerns about financial sector. So on all those, uh, they have, uh, the, 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 there's a response by the executive director for India. And uh, the what the report contains is also the staff assessment, which is the IMF staff assessment. Yes. And their discussion with the Indian authorities. Mm -hmm. So, in uh, in co in the course of that report, they have also reported what the Indian authorities have to say about right. uh, that. And yes. there, they have said that you know the RBI is uh, uh, not on board with this, and uh, because according to RBI, they have intervened only when it is necessary, and more or less the RBI uh, RBI says that the exchange rate is market determined because there is no exchange rate in the in their mind that they have to target. So when they do right. not have that, they are intervening and uh, that is the reason and it should be uh, termed as floating and not made uh, stabilized arrangement. And they also said that uh, the IMF has actually looked at a very too short a yeah. time period Correct. and that if yeah, you look yeah. at a longer time period. Yes. So. Uh, they have looked at their decision. This decision of reclassification is based on the time period from uh, December 2022 to October 2023. So mm. this is the time period. And if we look at the then and this they compare with a three year period before that, that is uh, 2019 end to 2022 end. And during that period, rupee depreciated by 15%. Right. And uh, in this time period, uh, rupee was more or less uh, stable. Uh, and then because it is stable, they have uh, termed it as a, a stabilized arrangement. But what is also equally important is that if it is a stabilized arrangement, it has to be due to RBI's actions. If it is not due to RBI's actions and if it is due to favorable market condition, then that then, can't be RBI's fault. Then it can't be RBI's fault and right. then it cannot be termed, it cannot be reclassified back as a uh, stabilized arrangement. Right. So the two criteria for terming any exchange rate as stabilized arrangement is that, you know, your exchange rate should be stable. That is, the fluctuation should be just 2% in a range of six months or more. And mm -hmm. at the same time, this stability has been achieved due to official action. This stability right. has been achieved due to RBI's intervention. And there is the point of debate between RBI and IMF. IMF contends that this is all due to RBI's massive intervention. Right. Whereas RBI and executive director for India is saying that this is all not due to intervention. This is also due to the fact that FPI inflows have uh, bounced back. 
uh, our current account deficit has improved our external sector is much more robust therefore rupee has not depreciated too much so mm. that is the uh, point and counterpoint and the other as you rightly said that you know what is the justification behind taking this eight Such to a nine short, month uh, yeah. period either the imf should give an explanation why they have taken uh, this time period and as it is it's a you know you're looking backward you are giving an assessment based on an arbitrary chosen time period and then you are uh, reclassifying right so but there is no denying the fact that rbi does intervene and rbi has intervened even before that even the time period when exchange rate was depreciating by 15% mm-hmm. even that time rbi intervened of course. and at that time they did not reclassify our exchange rate right. regime so this entire reclassification seems to be too extreme a measure and it's not justified why they have taken this time period right and uh, now we've talked about this reclassification and all of that but there are a larger set of kinds of exchange right. rates right there is there is all the way market determined and then there is the actually the set exchange rate could you tell us a little more about the classifications yeah so the imf in its uh, annual report on exchange uh, market arrangements and exchange restrictions so it is called imf areaer report mm-hmm. so there the imf has come up with this uh, classification of countries de facto exchange rate regimes and uh, there are a wide spectrum of exchange rate arrangement uh, starting from one extreme which is Uh, you know lack of a anchor where you you do not have your own exchange rate you are completely depending on some other currency right uh, which is called as dollarization for example the dirham i think uh, yeah, the uae dirham is ecuador in yeah. these countries uh, it's complete dollarization the exchange mm. rate is completely on the basis of uh, dollar right so that is one extreme and then you have three four ex- uh, types of exchange rate regimes which are classified as hard peg where you know it's it's a, a kind of a fixed exchange rate regime very uh, strong rigid kind of exchange right. rate regime then you move to a, a soft peg where are, where there are two three exchange rate variants which are soft peg and then you move to floating arrangements where you have two which is floating and uh, complete uh, floating which is a free float free float right so uh, india's exchange rate regime was classified earlier as floating where it was uh that exchange rate regime is defined as where it is uh, market determined largely mm-hmm. but there are exchange rate interventions to curb uh, undue swings in the exchange rate. it's what we call a managed float managed float yeah so right. in our terminology in the central bank speeches you will see that we call it as a managed float which also gives us an impression that you know it is managed it is uh, managed through exchange rate intervention so there is right. no denying that fact so there is a very thin line what is managed and what is uh, float so right. that is there and then you have a complete free float where the exchange rate interventions are kept to a bare minimum only uh, left to reserve for very extraordinary circumstances otherwise mm-hmm. it's uh, complete uh, market determined so there are these uh, 10 uh, kinds of exchange rate regimes that the okay. imf has as part of its areaer arrangement and what we have seen is a reclassification from floating to a kind of uh, pegged exchange rate mm. a variant of a pegged exchange rate which is the uh, stabilized, stabilized arrangement yeah right so now apart from the uh, the imf getting upset with us what are the actual downsides if our exchange rate is perceived to be more managed 
than floating so it it actually doesn't make much of a difference because firstly it is uh, based on a historic uh, backward looking indicator mm-hmm. and it is for everyone to see because we have the exchange rate data and we also uh, india is one of the countries that release its intervention data not all right. countries release their intervention data and yesterday the rbi bulletin came out we have the intervention data till october so we, we know that the rbi has uh, intervened and we also know that even as we speak now rbi has been intervening because now you see uh, foreign portfolio investors have bounced back they are uh, they are net inflows of uh, fpis but even then the rupee is not appreciated normally what should have happened that if there are more dollar inflows rupee should have appreciated because there is greater demand for rupee to invest right. by foreign uh, portfolio investors but what do we see is that rupee has not appreciated that means that rbi is still intervening and uh, you know uh, building its forex buffers it is increasing its foreign exchange reserves and preventing rupee from appreciating too much so it is uh, and right now what is happening is that rbi may be doing a number of uh, objectives through uh, uh, exchange rate intervention it is uh, buying dollars it is increasing the supply of rupee because as of now we know that there is a liquidity crunch in the banking system right so there are a lot of things happening at this point in time the only problem is that it tends to confuse the market participants it it confuses the market that you know what the rbi is doing whether it is wanting to prevent appreciation or prevent depreciation mm-hmm. or whether it is doing two way because what we do see is that rbi is preventing appreciation also and depreciation also right so there is so some managed there is a managed yeah. and, and that is uh, the the scale and intensity has increased over the last 2 3 uh, months because rbi we are seeing that suddenly the forex reserves are building we are our forex reserves are even more than 600 billion dollars mm-hmm. uh, and at a time when fpi inflows have uh, increase that automatically implies that uh, the rbi is absorbing the dollars right okay and now so we have a question from sankalp he asks uh, would the imf's reclassification of india's exchange rate regime count any more than a terminological annoyance which is basically like does it actually matter it's not like the dollar's current strength is marked by the us economic fundamentals so how can the rupee be dubbed as being overvalued so it's not overvalued as i said that you know uh, this reclassification is because over the last the time span that they have taken which is from december 2022 till october 2023 uh, the exchange rate moved within a very narrow band which is right. around 2% and that prompted the imf to reclassify the exchange rate Uh, from floating to stabilized arrangement and even you know if we look slightly uh, backwards in 2020 uh, the us treasury also put india on the watch list because uh, the us right. treasury also classifies central bank on the basis of how much intervention they are doing because that may hamper their trade competitiveness because you are right. if you are trying to keep your uh, rupee artificially weaker so that your exports are uh, cheaper that tends to harm your uh, trading partners so uh, there have been instances where india was placed uh, on the watch list at the us mm-hmm. treasury and uh, in october rbi governor made this statement that you know this practice of uh, putting emerging economies uh, currencies on watch list it should be uh, reviewed right. so uh, there are these uh, problems and but currently as i said that what needs to be questioned is the 
determination of this time period and even beyond that uh, imf itself has said that a de jure exchange rate regime continues to be floating it is yeah. only the de facto which is based on this 8 uh, to 9 month this period. Time period based on this they have reclassified the exchange rate as a stabilized arrangement and uh, even we know that our exchange rate is a managed float right so and rbi has completely dismissed this imf's uh, reclassification correct so that's actually what uh, anurag asks he says that it's no secret that the rbi uh, intervenes in the forex market in fact last year the our foreign exchange reserves fell by about 100 billion yeah. as the rbi intervened so when does an intervention become too much is there a criteria like this by the by the imf and do developed countries which follow a floating rate uh, regime also have inter interventions in the forex uh, market to reduce volatility in their currency yeah so interventions to some extent is uh, permissible and it is desirable but when interventions lead to so much stability in your exchange rate mm. that your exchange rate is moving in a very very narrow band as in the case of stabilized arrangement that you know over the last 8 to 9 months it uh, the exchange rate has been rupee dollar rate has been broadly stable right. that means that intervention is to too excessive according to the uh, IMF's classification and that has prompted them to reclassify so when intervention leads to more or less stability in the exchange rate right so much so that you know from a 15% depreciation now we are uh, only uh, broadly stable and uh, it's only us you know if we have done this comparison of rupee with some of the other uh, broad major currencies we mm -hmm. see that other currencies are fluctuating it is the rupee which is uh, broadly stable. stable so I see. it is the uh, the intervention is definitely playing its part in uh, maintaining the stability of the rupee dollar rate right okay and now moving away from the exchange rate the imf report has a lot of things right. in it yes. one of them has to do with india's debt level so right. what has the rbi uh, what has the imf said about our debt levels yeah so they uh, there is a big chunk discussion on uh, india's debt sustainability mm -hmm. that is general uh, government debt to gdp ratio which was also what we discussed in our uh, one of the earlier episodes where we talked about uh, imf's world economic outlook where they gave projections about uh, indian uh, general government debt to gdp ratio right so what we discussed during that time was that the global debt uh, you know uh, uh, surged to more than 100% overall household yeah. debt private and public debt surged to more than 200% of gdp during covid and uh, the public debt rose to more than 100% and this uh, spike was primarily driven by advanced economies not by emerging economies because we do not have that much fiscal firepower to uh, keep spending uh, so much uh, what imf is saying now is that in the medium term yes india's debt to gdp ratio is quite sustainable and we will see a downward uh, trajectory of india's debt to gdp ratio uh, but in the long run uh, the imf says that there are some risks to debt sustainability mainly stemming from the fact that substantial investments would be required to meet our climate change commitments so uh, we would have to spend a lot on uh, because we have ambitious uh, goals under our national development commitments mm -hmm. uh, ndcs uh, we have targeted uh, we have kept some targets for climate change mitigation and adaptation that would require a lot of expenditure and that could lead to debt to gdp ratio uh, rising to above 100% so that is the 
concern which the imf has raised okay and so yeah relating to that uh, sankalp again has a, a question relating to the debt issue he says that yes uh, our uh, interest payments as a percentage of expenditure has been rising but as he says for him to lose any sleep about this matter uh, it would have to be the case that we are heading into an uncontrolled fiscal expansion yeah. or a possible revenue stagnation or some other really right. big financial commitments so is any of this happening yeah so that's what the you know the response of the executive director for india is that even during extreme cases when we when we had covid related disruption when we had the russia ukraine war that time also our debt to gdp ratio surged to 88% 89% and mm. since then even ne- uh, just the next year we saw a significant reduction in our debt to gdp ratio and uh, even now there is a gradual decline in our debt to gdp ratio right and some of the uh, good points or you know some of the things that are comforting about our debt to gdp ratio are firstly that is mostly denominated in local currency uh, so the exchange rate risk is low right. secondly that uh, a, a large part of it is long term so the uh, rollover risk is low that is the other uh, com- comforting part of our debt to uh, gdp ratio the third part is that the quality of expenditure is improving we are moving towards higher capital expenditure which has the capacity to augment our gdp and if our gdp increases then the debt to gdp ratio will uh, shrink over right. the uh, uh, medium to long term and the other uh, important point is that our tax buoyancy has been increasing so that gives us comfort that all these things uh, all our fiscal uh, variables give us comfort that you know it, it's unlikely that our debt to gdp ratio will swell to above uh, 100% uh, because okay. till 2028 we do not see such a condition happening and that is coming from the imf's own projection itself right. okay. uh, so to think in the long term that something of that sort will happen is something slightly on uh, on an extreme basis okay and uh, in your article you also also mentioned that the imf had some useful suggestions yes. for india as well yes. could you expand a little yeah. on those so they have uh, useful one is the debt part and uh, the right thing that they say is that you know beyond 2028 if you want to steeply bring down your debt to gdp ratio mm-hmm. you need to have a more ambitious fiscal consolidation roadmap which of is uh, very much true that we need that's to something have, even we've talked about we've talked about yeah. and that is what they have also talked about that this is the time to bring up a post pandemic review of fiscal responsibility uh, legislation right. and uh, revisit our uh, fiscal anchors what will be our debt to gdp ratio what will be our fiscal deficit to gdp ratio mm-hmm. so that is what they are talking and two additional points that they are talking uh, which are very useful one is that our fiscal data reporting needs to improve okay so general government so central government debt comes on a timely basis but overall when we talk about general government debt it comes with a uh, lag so right. there is a need to improve data reporting there is a need to reduce the uh, reporting lag so that is mm. one important suggestion that has been uh, made and the other is that not only the central government fiscal responsibility legislation but the states fiscal responsibility uh, responsibility legislation also I need a, a relook and there they say that all states have different fiscal performance and we've talked about that that mm. states are not uniform in their fiscal performance so maybe there is a case to have different fiscal targets for different states depending on the state's fiscal performance i see so 
that will make the state's bond market or the yield on the state's loans more responsive to the state's fiscal performance. You know, right, right. now what is if you said one target for everybody, yeah, I see. Right now, what is happening is, and that's what we have seen in our empirical analysis also, a state like Maharashtra or Gujarat where liabilities to GDP ratio is very less. And a state like Kerala, where the liability to GDP ratio is double of uh, what is there in Maharashtra, mm -hmm. in both the states, the yield is exactly the same. The yield on a Kerala bond and yield on a uh, Maharashtra government bond is exactly the same. That means that the market is broken. There are distortions in the market. Right. And maybe, so they have this suggestion for the upcoming finance commission that they may want to have a look at the uh, states uh, FRL, fiscal responsibility legislation. Mm -hmm. Is there a case to have differential fiscal anchors for different states so that there is greater accountability and then the bond market is also more responsive to the state's fiscal performance. So these right. are some of the important uh, uh, you know, policy proposals that they have floated to make our fiscal framework even more effective. Right. So, I mean, that's actually really, really interesting because some of the issues we've talked about, but this differing yeah. targets for states is, is yeah. very interesting. Yeah. But uh, on that note, that's all we have for you. The IMF says that uh, the RBI has been exerting too much control over our exchange rate over the last seven or eight months. The RBI says that, look, seven and eight months is too short a period for you to analyze this. Not all of this stability has been because of the RBI. And so please don't, I mean, this reclassification is an extreme move. But the IMF has also talked about our debt levels. There again, the picture looks that, you know, things are improving for us. Obviously, we have to keep an eye on our debt levels, but the numbers look to be improving. The uh, IMF also has various positive suggestions for us, things that will improve our fiscal management and the way that we track the finances of the government and the states. So there's a lot in this report. It's the, the Article 4 report by the IMF for India. You should check it out. Uh, but on that note, that's all from us. Thank you so much for watching.